This episode of UK Low Carb Podcast is sponsored by Deliciously Guilt Free. Enjoy the show. I am so delighted that I get to welcome back my good friend Pauline Cox back to UK Low Carb. And we now have a weekly series called The Pillars of Health. Each week, Pauline will dispel the misconception that if we eat well, then we're healthy. We'll explore together bad lifestyle habits, the stresses of life, poor sleep, lack of exercise, sedentary lifestyle, poor gut health, and poor liver function, and see how these can cause chronic illness and fatigue. The pillars of health are those key areas that we can take control over to live a happier and healthier life. And if you would like to engage in this conversations we go through each week than you made through our Facebook group, UK Low Carb. Now over to Pauline to tell us more. Hello and welcome back to UK Low Carb and it's the penultimate episode in our series, uh, The Pillars of Health with Pauline Cox. Hi, welcome back Pauline. Hi Dan, good to be back. Good to be with you again. And um, like I said before, this is a bit like a kind of personal coaching session for me <laughs> where I get to ask loads of questions. And and I hope you're learning from this as well, guys. We kind of record these in one go. So we'll find out later uh, how people are engaging with this. But if you want to be part of the conversation as well and ask questions to Pauline or make comments, please go to UK Low Carb, our Facebook group. And uh, it's a lovely community where we support each other. So I've been holding myself accountable to sleep. Some people hold themselves accountable with their food. Uh, we're going to do in January some accountability with exercise and also just supporting each other. So you're more than welcome to join us there. Now, just for new listeners, just to let you know, we've been going through the last few weeks. This is week number six looking at the pillars of health and Pauline put it down to me in the summer that you can you can eat a certain way and you could assume that you're healthy because you're eating that way when actually there are these other pillars of health around nutrition which if they're not right then you can be very unhealthy and it's kind of blown my mind because in a way I, I know that, but at the same time, I also kind of assume that, well, I'm just eating, you know, a good level of protein, a good level of good fats. Uh, I'm cutting down on, well, I don't have any sugar at all now, and I don't have any carbohydrate really, apart from some green veggies and peppers and and sort of vegetables. And you sort of assume that you must be healthy. But so far, we've been going through uh, fuel and how the body fuels itself. We looked at the microbiome and how the gut works and about gut health. We looked at how your liver functions. And I've got a huge respect for my liver now. And I want to make sure I look after it because it looks after me. We've also looked at sleep and about breathing. And today, Pauline said, look at movement, which I think is a really important topic. And just want to say, Paul, I will let you speak at some point. I appreciate I'm talking a lot in this episode so far. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is exercise, but it's much more than that, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Movement. I mean, movement is a very broad subject, really, Dan. But I think when we we notice the we notice the consequences of not moving, probably before we notice the benefits of moving. And I think with particularly coming out of a period of you know, the period we've been through with lockdown and um, COVID, which, you know, I, I wouldn't say we're out of yet, but it's, it feels like it's a bit more behind us now. I think that um, that security of being in our house is possibly, in, in some individuals, particularly a lot of the individuals I work with, has created levels of anxiety about going outside. And that lack of connecting with the world and the outdoors, again, just 
perpetuates feelings of anxiety and um, creates a heightened sense of nervousness and tension, um, mental anxiety and tension. And movement, just simple movement, walking, has a hugely beneficial um, impact on our, our levels of anxiety. And there are some physiological reasons why that is so if you'd like i can i can explain yes let's do that and um just just for those who are listening in the future and i think you know because i think every generation or generations go through experiences which they reflect back on and i imagine the lockdown and this pandemic i'm sure it will be for you as well will be one of those experiences that yeah so children who might be you know growing up in this or people who aren't maybe as aware in the future when they're listening back on this you know the, the country went through periods where we were locked down and I, I know that people listening to this now will understand, but just from my own personal perspective, we live in a small University of Cambridge flat, so we don't have a garden. It's a communal garden, so you know we couldn't share that. We had, I think, it's one hour of exercise allowed a day. That's what it was like in the first lockdown. I don't know if it's the same in the other lockdowns, but it was in November and January, so you know I used to go out not so long anyway. And yeah, we just moved less. I could feel myself, you know, mm. the atrophy of just being around the house and not moving much and not doing much. And it's funny how I was at I was actually at a church on Sunday this week, and I was there with my son at this children's group. And um, one of the helpers said he has really noticed that the children now, who are like my son's age, who's almost three, uh, they're not as sociable yes. as other children's groups who came through before. And he mm. said, I'm sure it's because they've been on, you know, on iPads and TVs at home, not playing with other children as much as they would have done because the nurseries and the schools were shut. And they're not as socialized as they used to be. And so maybe they are less mobile as well. Mm, yes. I mean, it, it's undoubtedly had an impact on a, a great number of individuals' uh, mental health. I think one thing we can definitely look back at this period of time and feel like we've built some resilience. You know, resilience isn't something that you necessarily feel at the time going through it, but you can feel that it's been it's a it's a sort of a tool that we're building as we're going through really challenging times um but one of the things that our brain benefits from is forward movement now this can be from a, being on a bike it can be jogging walking running but as we're outdoors and we're moving forward the there's a part of your brain called the amygdala which is calmed by the passing of objects via the eyes and it's a oh, very interesting wow. science yes and this passing of objects via the eyes it it helps to calm the amygdala which can get into a, an overexcited state which is when we start to experience high levels of anxiety and this is why without even knowing the science of it a lot of people feel calmer when they go for a run or they go for a walk they don't know <laughs> why they just do and so having it, you don't get the same experience, by the way, being in a car and things moving forward. It's the actual forward motion of the body and that connection of forward motion of the body and the passing by of trees or hedges and fences. So this has this very calming effect on the brain, that fear center of the brain. And so having a daily walk, we spoke in one of the um, sessions we did, Dan, about daylight. So starting your day with a walk, which gives you that sunlight or that daylight into your eyes, and you're getting this visual passing of objects, you're going to get your, um, your, your circadian rhythm set really nicely by getting the daylight in, but you're also 
getting that calming of the amygdala, the calming of that heightened anxiety, but it's stimulating your alertness. So it's not making you calm in the sense that it's going to make you sleepy. It's keeping you alert, but it's almost calibrating your um, anxiety sort of thermometer. And it's a very positive habit to start the day with in terms of um, giving yourself that alertness and also getting your your brain in the, in the sort of right realm for alertness and dampening down anxiety. Does that make sense? Yeah, so there's a cycle here then. So if you're, we were locked down, we couldn't leave our houses, mm. which meant we were moving less. But what you're saying is the movement itself is also the cure for the anxiety, but then the anxiety of being locked down probably is the the reason as well we don't want to leave the house yes. and move so much. And so it's kind of a downward, downward cycle where that just makes it worse. Um, yeah. but, but actually movement would be a first step in, in kind of breaking Helping. out of that cycle. Yeah, it, it's, it's very therapeutic for the brain to have this movement, this forward movement. And then it's, again, you know, walking regularly throughout the day, walking is such a great way of helping the body to just move, sit less, move more is a really nice mantra to kind of keep in your mind. And mm. if you if you go for a walk after lunch, it has a very positive impact on your blood sugars. So a lot, there's, there are old wives tales and myths that say, you know, once you've eaten, you shouldn't move, you should lie down and let your food digest. You know, that that's simply not true. Once you've eaten, if you go for a, a walk, it's going to help produce the blood sugar spike. So it's it's essentially using up that blood glucose to stop the spike. So yeah, actually, the, the Greek regimen say, says that. I used to teach uh, history of medicine through time, and there was a an ancient document from from Greece, and it's it's literally said that sort of thing. You know, you should after your meal, you should go for a light walk. Mm. Uh, it was kind of like recommended then that they knew that would be good for you yes. uh, to do for your body. They didn't know the science behind it. And maybe yeah. we kind of lose track of that because we're too yeah. science focused, but actually that is kind of an ancient wisdom, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and and then, so you could have your, after your lunchtime, your post-lunch walk, another really nice time of day to go for a walk is sort of four thirty, five o'clock. And this is again, when the sun's starting to come down and we have this, intuitive wisdom this innate intelligence that knows where the sun is in this in the sky but it, it uh, our eyes are a direct window for light coming into our body and communicating with every cell in our body what time of day it is and so if we've had lots of blue light exposure or screen time in the day even if we're having screen time later in the day that 4 5 o'clock exposure to daylight helps to mitigate against the negative effects of blue light at 9 30 10 o'clock at night so oh, wow yes so it, it's not a free pass to just stay up all night with the screen but it does help to it helps to balance out and tell the body the, the, the brain can tell the body the light can come in and say listen you know it is it's 10 30 you're still on your screen it's starting to to kind of balance it out a bit. So having that walk at 4.35 o'clock, being out in the garden, just being outside helps to keep the circadian rhythm in check, even if we're working Amazing. on our laptops later in the day. So, yeah, I just, that's blown my mind. So your body literally tells like a little light reading to think, oh, it's now this sort of time in our circadian rhythm. Yes. So later on, it will still remember that and make you feel more tired at the time you should be going to bed. Yeah, it it, keep, it just helps to keep our circadian rhythm in check. And daylight does that. You know, daylight's really important for lots of other things. In the morning, if you're going for a walk in the morning, 
um, you get this little peak of, of a hormone that helps to regulate your appetite. It helps with um, your sex drive as well, your mood. So there's daylight is a very important um, factor for our mental well-being as well as our appetite. And it's it's probably why in the summer people just don't want to eat as much. They're yep, you know they're, the they're less hungry because they're getting all that sunlight and it's stimulating. Um, a hormone that's not going to be stimulated as much in the winter because we're just not out as much in the winter. But even on a cloudy day, even on a slightly gray day, getting out, getting that walk, getting that forward motion, getting the, the visuals going past the eyes, but calming the amygdala and not wearing sunglasses. That is important. You know, we, if we're putting on our sunglasses when we go outside, we're blocking the ability of the light to go into the eyes. And I'm not suggesting looking up at the sun, but I'm suggesting that if you're um, if you're if you're wearing sunglasses all the time when you're outside, you're not going to have the same benefits of yeah. um, setting the circadian rhythm. See, the other thing as well, I must admit, is that okay, I, I did once. You might think this is uh, crazy now, and uh, how could I have done this? But I did a thirty day silent retreat. Uh, this is back like fifteen years ago now. I was trained to be a priest. I know I've had an interesting life, and um, and part of it was a thirty day silent retreat. So we were taken to a retreat center. We were in complete isolation. We couldn't talk for a month. Um, well, actually, that's not quite true. We had a 10-minute meeting each day. We could talk to somebody to make sure we weren't cracking up. But <laughs> that was it, to make sure we were like, okay. And then they'd set our like, you know, schedule for meditation and stuff the next day. But anyway, each, t- each day I'd do a walk. And now, bear in mind, when I went there, it was in January, and I came out in like, late February. So my birthday was spent on this 30-day silent retreat, which is a bit depressing. But what was interesting was over those 30 days, I actually saw the seasons change. So it was snowing and it was awful when I first went there. By the end of February, it was spring-like and there was actually, you know, like snowdrops and leaves were coming through and some of the crocuses were coming out. So because I did the same walk every day, and that's only 30 days, that's not long. I did that over a year. And I did the same route, but either one way or the other. So I got so used to it. And I really noticed these little changes and I could see them happening. And I thought my perspective of like macro time over a year now and seasons has changed. Now I appreciate you might be living in like on the equator and your, your seasons are always the same pretty much. I appreciate that. But actually I could see these little changes happening. And I was like, that is amazing to see that happen. And, And I don't think my connection with nature and I'm going to sound really like hippie-ish here, but I think it's, it's important. My connection with nature changed because of yes. literally going outside and being in it. Absolutely. You know, I, I really appreciate the comments you're making because I feel the same. I think we're in such a, a fast pace, even if we're not marching on a fast pace, but a fast-paced way of life that we start living unconsciously and we start picking up habits that we don't even realize we've picked up. And yeah, actually when we sure. start connecting with nature again, because, you know, we are exquisitely interconnected with nature in our gut, in the way that we interact with nature, in the way that nature heals us and the, the energy, the light, the sunlight, the, you know, the, the fact of just being outdoors is very healing for us. Um, but when we, when we put ourselves back into nature again, it, it becomes like therapy. I mean, there's a whole therapy called green therapy, and it's about noticing the small things as you mentioned you know it's about becoming conscious when you're walking not with the head down and the eyes down keeping the eyes up at eye level and noting all around you you know the trees the birds the the flowers the changing seasons and feeling 
that connection to nature because nature has so much to teach us. It really does, Dan. You know, nature is cyclical. It's changing all the times. So we have storms. We have um, challenging times in nature, but they pass. And that's how life is designed to be. We go through challenging times, cyclical changes, and it passes. And as humans, the more we embrace nature and learn from nature, the more we can feel content in our own environment and within ourselves as well. And this is, I believe we've become so disconnected from nature that we we lose the lessons that nature can teach us. And and. And as we live with nature, it allows us to feel that feeling of being settled and at one. I, again, I feel like I'm I'm slightly heading down the hippie vibe here as well. But it is it is incredibly powerful when you start becoming more conscious of your surroundings, nature, and that we are not we are not removed from nature. That we are part of this huge ecosystem that we live in. completely agree yeah i mean if we think ourselves different to it that we really do ourselves a disservice because we've evolved with it and alongside it and as part of it we are we are as much part of nature as a flower as a as an animal you know we are an animal ourselves so i completely completely agree with that the, the problem is though in some ways when you said the topic of movement mm. it made me think of exercise and then it made me think it's interesting how many of us and i'm guilty of this as well sometimes make our movement almost like a bit like a meal, really. You know, yes. it's that period of the day when I'm going to be doing that piece of movement. But actually, unlike eating, which shouldn't be continuous all day long, yeah. movement should be part of your life, right? So, yes. you know, what, what do you think about, for instance, you know, going to the gym three times a week to do your three hours of exercise in the week uh, compared to maybe gardening, walking? Mm. Or is there, is there some sort of happy medium where you can do a bit of all of that? Yeah. I mean, I think personally, if you enjoy going to the gym, you should do it. But I'm not a believer in if you force yourself to go and you really don't like it, then find a movement you love doing. You know, go if you might love rollerblading or skateboarding. Dancing. You, yeah, dancing. Exactly. You m may love cold water swimming. There are so many ways to move that can be fun and enjoyable. It doesn't have to be so prescriptive as I must go on a treadmill and you know and, and yeah. punish myself in that way. As I said, if you love going to the gym, and some people do, they find it therapeutic, they find it a great stress reliever, amazing. But in terms of fulfilling that, that soulful need of movement and being outdoors, I, I personally don't think you can beat just getting outdoors, lying on the grass, playing with your kids or going for a walk or scrambling up hills. You know, we we recently put a big trampoline, sunken trampoline in the garden just so we can play out, outdoors with the kids and have that more sort of primal play focus. I don't know if, you, if you've heard of Daryl Edwards, but he's um, he's on Instagram and he's all about primal play and, and getting us back to those movements, those kind of functional movements that we lose when we're sat at a desk all day. And then we feel like we've ticked a box when we might go to a gym and go on a treadmill or do the, the you know, whatever that one's called, <laughs> cross trainer, <laughs> 45 minutes and then go back to our desk work. But actually, you know, when, when, we're, when we're getting more conscious about our movement, it's, it's actually more about how we're sitting, how we're breathing, how we're um, interacting with the world on, a, on a, a minute by minute basis, you know, walking from the car to the shops, skipping um hopping jumping playing you know getting more back to our i guess i guess our ancestral roots when it comes to movement and not seeing it as that sort of tick box um activity that maybe we we see it as 
a sort of a, I know it's good for me, I must do it, tick. I must do it, yeah, in January the 1st until January the 17th, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what, though, is interesting? I said this on a previous episode, and it's, I'm really feeling it now. So I'm so used to now using my stand-up desk. Uh, when, I think it's Lou Walker recommended to me on the podcast, actually, because she had one, then Graham Phillips, Graham Phillips has one as well. So I thought I'd try it, and actually I really miss it now I don't have it. So isn't that interesting how, you yeah. know, we said about before, you know, become your habits, and actually the more you get used to movement, and I'm not saying... I'm a big mover uh, and shaker, but um, you know I am somebody who likes to stand at his desk, and so I am yes. naturally moving more. Sitting down now, I would have done this by the way for like a decade without even not literally a decade, but <laughs> over a decade of being a sitting yeah. down at a desk person and not even thought about it. But now after six months of standing at my desk, I'm yeah. suddenly really my legs are getting irritated. Like I want to stand and move, and and it's just it's a lovely positive habit you can get into yes. when you want to start moving again, isn't it? Um, absolutely and, and and again it comes it really comes back to that conscious living again you know being being aware of your body being aware of your positioning and and standing while you're um you're doing your work and there's so much research around how we work more optimally when we have that very focused time slot then we stop we get away from our desk you know we might go out into the garden do a bit of jumping around or trampolining or or gardening or just going for a walk running up and down the stairs, doing something to get movement into our body, then coming back and refocusing again. So for me, movement is not just exercise. It's about stimulating the energy and getting, you know, getting back in touch with, because I'm like you, Dan, I spend a lot of time in front of my computer. I do all my meetings in Zoom. I do a lot of content writing. I'm an author. So I do a lot of computer work. It is a challenge to get to be productive with your work without being sat at a desk but even the small movements now this is interesting small movements I unconsciously use my hands all the time anyway but when we're sat just moving the body um, and using your hands and moving your legs around moving helps firstly with our metabolism but it also just helps to keep the body awake and we all know those characters who kind of slump down the head comes down the chin comes forward even I'm moving. At I'm moving my arms. I'm moving. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't sit there being still when you're saying that. I feel really no, awful. No, no. I should be moving. <laughs> you're right. Yourself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna but even, my arms around. even our desk setup, you know, the the position that your computer set up and the eye level has an impact on our alertness and our productivity. So you can really make these changes to get that super productivity into your 60-minute gap, your 60-minute window, your 90-minute window, before you say, right, I've scheduled in a 20-minute break. I'm not just going to go and sit and have a coffee. I'm actually going to go and, you know, hoover the dot, 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 or, or go for a walk or do some, you know, doing something that involves movement. And that scheduling in is equally as important as scheduling in all of the the appointments in our diaries throughout the day because it's really the thing that's keeping our bodies healthy and mentally alert and healthy as well as as physically keeping our muscles in tone and you know all the things that we know are good for our bodies our cardiovascular system our, our muscle tone it's actually incredibly important these days that we recognize the impact it has on our mental health as well love that well i think there's a lot to be working on there thank you so much and i'm going to definitely um yeah put some movement slots into my uh, routines as well um and just another angle i was just gonna i just thought of when you're talking earlier on uh, about you know for instance uh, you said primal play and yeah. i thought one of i think one of the the key motivators and goals for lots of people 
uh, if they're trying to get their health back, and that might not that might be weight, but it might be uh, you know diabetes, whatever. Mm. But one of the key fe- features I find is that a goal is to play with their grandchildren, their children, yeah. to be able to really move properly with their families. You know, go for a nice walk with their family, or to play football, or whatever it might be. Go swimming, trampolining. You know. I think that is a heck of a motivator for people yes. to realize that they, they need to to be movement because movement's also part of relationship, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you've got kids playing and you love those kids, you want to be with them and playing yeah. and having fun. And and if you can't move, that's really sad, isn't it? It, Absolutely. it, it distances you from that experience. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know what you're like with your son, but I, I love doing airplanes and and lifting, very, you know, yeah, doing, having that, that sort of interaction with them is great for you. It's great for them. It's great for, you know, your, your physical activity, your mental health. It's all part of our tribal needs, our, our connection with ourselves, with our, with our children, with those around us, but also our connection with nature. And, you know, I'll, I'll say it again. It's the relationship we have with our environment is it directly impacts our mental health and our our the the mood the day-to-day life we experience and so if we can start to see ourselves as an extension of nature and really appreciate ourselves like we sometimes will appreciate the beauty of nature but not necessarily ourselves it can really help to you know change our paradigm a little bit we are not us and there's outdoors we are we're we're a, a single universe Yep. Love that. Love that. Um, well, thank you so much for that, Pauline. It's been a really cracking series. Um, if you've only just listened to this episode, then please go back and listen to some of the others. Uh, well, like I mentioned earlier on, we've looked at gut health, about to the liver, about the fueling the body, about sleep, breathing, and now movement. And I did say at the beginning, this is a penultimate episode because next week we have the Ask Me Anything episode. So what will happen is, um, Pauline and I will do a live episode uh, one evening. We'll, we'll announce the date nearer the time. Uh, we'll then have an opportunity for people to join in the Facebook groups that will be live in uh, or on YouTube. And you can ask any question or make a comment to be part of the conversation. And then that will come out next week on the podcast as well. So uh, if you've enjoyed what you've heard so far, if you've got something to ask Pauline or make any comments for her to discuss, then please join us on that and we'll announce that over the time. Um, but in the meantime, thank you so much for the series, uh, Pauline. It's been really, really interesting. And uh, there's, if we worked on those those six areas, we'd be living forever very happily and healthy, wouldn't we? <laughs> well, we'd certainly get a great experience of life. And life is really, it's just an experience, isn't it? And it's how we react to that experience that, that creates the life that we ultimately enjoy. So if we can give ourselves the best opportunity to react in a positive way and feel calm and and enjoying this amazing life we have, then all the better. (laughs) Excellent. Good stuff. Well, I look forward to the Ask Me Anything. I just want to let you know they're lovely people, lovely crowd, so they're not going to give you a hard time or grilling. There's going to ask some very supportive, lovely questions, I'm sure. So uh, anyway, have a great week, Pauline. See you later. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye.